Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend, enjoyed all the tryptophan, all the turkey, all the stuffing, not dressing, and the properly salt-and-peppered potatoes as well, too. And it's got to be properly salt-and-peppered. Absolutely. We are, we're glad to be back. Another week of sports and cha- and uh, what was it? Rivalry week uh, did not disappoint, to say the least. You know, Auburn de- disappointed me at the very end. But you know what? They did a lot better than I think they I, I thought they ever would. And, and and to be fair, I didn't I predicted them to lose to Bama anyway. So it was like, well, all right, that's to be expected. But honestly, I'm focusing only on the one that mattered to me. But that didn't even matter in the long haul. I mean, there were some games, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. They all had impact. and. Man, it was a wild weekend. We're talking college football, so that's going to take us into the tip-off. That's one of our favorite segments. How we like to get things started here is the tip-off. Brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. Wonderful Black Friday and holiday sales going right now. I know I just picked up a nice haul as well for myself. And you got to get that deodorant and that soap smelling good for when you go and visit visit the family as well, too. You can't go in there smelling stanky. So, Kelsey, for the tip-off, we're going to focus on college football. We already got started as well, too. But after rivalry week, that leads us into conference championship week, and this should be a doozy. Absolutely. This one's going to be insane. And, you know, of course, just like all things with college football, and I think football nowadays on TV, they can't just do it on one day. Nope. No, they're taking up two days. So this one kicks off on Friday with this one, the Pac-12, Oregon versus Utah. And DJ, this one's a, I mean, look, they just played, literally just played. Utah pulled this one out. And I mean, what, what, what is there to say? Uh, not, not a lot to say other than it was kind of mandatory. Cause I feel like there's the two teams in the PAC 12 as of right now, where you look at them and it's like, all right, there's these two, then there's everybody else. It feels like as well too. There's the fluky Stanford win that's mandatory every year, but everybody else is kind of playing catch up and it had to be these two as well. Yeah. I mean, really it did. So looking at it, I mean, look, you got Oregon, you have Utah. They did just play Oregon still. I don't know if they they're can you call them fighting for a playoff spot? No, not at this point. I think that that lot the getting blasted by Utah this last time put an end to that. I mean, if they would have lost close, maybe, but getting blasted by them, they're playing for the Rose Bowl, basically. Yeah, which which by the way still means it should still mean something. We talked about this. It the should other day. be a like, playoff game. Yeah, like the Rose Bowl should still mean something to the Pac 12 and to the 
the Big Ten, but I feel like nowadays watching these guys play, they just don't care about the Rose Bowl like they should. But that being said, a certain Oregon quarterback in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago put on a performance that held up his draft stock as well, too, beating a Wisconsin team that was on fire. So who, who knows? Maybe it does maybe it means something in the long run if they do play for like those guys coming out. Maybe they look at it as a pre senior bowl, senior bowl type of thing or something like that. Another chance to show off. Yeah, absolutely. So here's what gives you guys. We'll just go ahead and peel the band-aid off. Here's our picks. And we will play opposite ways. So, DJ, why'd you go Oregon? You know what? I, for no other reason than they just got blasted by Utah, and they're both too similar. I can't see them get losing again, honestly. I think this time Utah is much better defensively. I don't think that's really a question as well. But I think that, that Oregon's going to get the running game going this time. They've been like died to not get a whole lot of action as well, too. They just were really out of sync and when it rained, it poured. I think this time they're going to be able to establish the run early on. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, is going to show up in this game as well, too. I think the defense is going to make a lot more plays. Kayvon Thibodeau might not be the consensus number one overall pick anymore because of how his few other guys have been playing as well. So I think he's got a little bit something extra to play for as well on top of it. And I just, it's hard for me to think that Utah is going to just smack him in back-to-back weeks when they're this even, if that makes sense as well, too. It'd be like Georgia and Alabama, if they play two times in a row, it's hard for me to believe that one of them is going to smack the other twice. So I'm going to lean towards Oregon. I think the running game is going to be the difference, maybe 24-27, something Really, really close. A very Oregon-esque game. Like, what we saw them do against Ohio State where they came in with their absolute best A game, I think they're going to do that this this week as well, too. They're going to tune it up to that another level that very few teams have that even Oregon can only do, like, once or twice a, twice a year, it feels like. Yeah, like, I, I like the reasoning, reasoning for, for Oregon. It's just it's tough to beat a team back-to-back, basically, in college football. Um, but, you know, we have a couple games that are that are kind of going to be telling a lot that line. But for me, I look at Utah, and I just, uh, you know, defensively, I just – I love what they do defensively, offensively. There's some struggles here and there. Like, I can't lie about it. There's struggles here and there. But they're a growing offense. They're a building offense on what they are. And they've been through so much over the last year. Why not cap it off with a Pac-12 championship to go along with it? They're definitely curious to see how they will. I definitely That defense, if it comes to play, it's going to be a long night for everybody. I, definitely, I think if it's a defensive game, that does favor Utah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. So that's going to that's be our picks for the Pac-12, which, for, again, kicks off Friday night. But that's the only Friday game. The, you know, the, the Pac-12 just has to be that guy that's just different. Like, we're going to do it on Friday and not Saturday just be because. And, of course, you know, because it's on the West Coast, too, that's Eastern time. People don't get to see it quite as much as we'd like because some of us like to sleep. Yeah, like, it, it, again, that's another thing. Yeah, it's like freaking – anyways, I'll leave that one alone. Make them play at 3 p.m. They'll be fine. Exactly. But Big 12 kicking off your Saturday morning. This one is at noontime on, Eastern Co- on the East Coast. So, Big 12 game, Baylor – Versus Oklahoma State here. And this one, I mean, who would have thought just a couple weeks ago, Baylor still still having a chance after what happened, you know, with them and them in Oklahoma the next week, just or actually even the week before that, getting blasted by TCU, then going and beating Oklahoma. And then all of a sudden, here we are. Like, wait, what? What happened here? Or Oklahoma State, what happened, Baylor? Like, where'd Oklahoma go? You know, we always Pac-12 is always given, you know what, it's kind of always ripped on for being the mediocre of the conferences, like the less there's the Pac there's the power four conferences and the Pac-12. The Big 12 has honestly been just as bad, if not worse, this year. I mean, who really has stuck out? Like, if you put either one of these two teams against any like the top three from the Big Ten, the top three from the SEC, heck, I put Oregon against at their and Utah at their best against either of these teams. I don't think they're that much better, honestly. Like, I think the Big 12, this is the most down year we've seen in a while. You can make a case that Texas is as good as these two teams, and Texas was, uh, uh, yeah. You can even make a case Oklahoma, who lost to both of these teams, is as good as them pre, you know, departure. But that's a whole nother story. But like, it's. It just feels a little bit down because I don't when you watch both these teams, neither one stands out as like they should be in the playoff, if that makes sense as well. Too. Neither one quite has that kind of allure to it. I do like what Baylor did to Oklahoma defensively, especially a couple weeks ago. That really saw and then Oklahoma 
battling back to stopping Caleb Williams valiant efforts like three different times tried to win the game on his back tried to save Oklahoma but the right was on the wall so Oklahoma State we you have said it as much as anybody it's not a rivalry considering it's not competitive Oklahoma State finally twisting the tide a little bit so it's there's some fun backstory too but I think this one just doesn't quite have the same feel as some of the other championship games in my opinion at least yeah this will be watching though it does feel weird but this is nine versus five this is a nine number nine Baylor team versus a number five Oklahoma State team and Depending on what happens in some of these other games, Oklahoma State might sneak themselves in there. We'll just have to wait and see. They may they may finally have beaten Oklahoma and then gotten themselves into a playoff game. We'll have to see here. I I do, uh, we'll off. see. They love Alabama way too much unless Alabama loses by 50. They will put Alabama in there again somehow at number four, or they will bump up Notre Dame. They will find a way to keep Oklahoma State out. That's fair. That's fair. We'll have to wait and see. But here's what our picks are. And we're split again. DJ, you went Baylor. I went Oklahoma State. And I mean, I reasoning behind Baylor, DJ. I think I already, I pretty much already outlined it. It's yeah. a really short list. That defense was absolutely phenomenal. Their coaching was absolutely great, and their ability to run the ball, especially when they get the quarterback involved too. And the they have such a, it's such an outstanding running game. The scheming they do, and then defensively the creativity. I think there's a really well coached team. I think if they just had a little bit more oomph to them, I would like them more in that playoff hunt. If that makes sense, like if they beat this Oklahoma State team, I don't think they're going to jump into the playoffs personally. Just like if Oklahoma State wins. It's going to be a lot of dominoes falling to get them in there. I think both teams are just missing that little extra something, like an extra playmaker, an extra bigger signature win, or a more dominant signature win, something along those lines. But I like Baylor's defense. I think they're going to come in here, and they're going to wreak bedlam, if you will. It's going to cause bedlam in the backfield for Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think the difference is going to be that run game and defense once again for Baylor, which sounds similar to the Utah-Oregon game a little bit as well, too. But I'm leaning towards the defense in this regard with Baylor, and I do think that I think their running game is going to get going. And that quarterback too. Let's not forget, uh, he was in the he was in the contention for the Heisman at one point too early on. He was leading the Big Twelve in touchdowns as well. So he is no slouch, and we really saw what he was able to do against uh, Oklahoma. Jerry, but I mean Jerry behind what was it? Ten carries for hundred and ten yards or something like yeah, that. Silly numbers, just yeah. video game numbers. Absolutely. So give me Baylor in a relatively close game. I think it's going to be weirdly close, like not a Big Twelve no defense game. We're lo- I'm going to look at 28 to 24, 28 to 21, something like that. But Baylor will find a way to just kind of ni- just kind of scrape it out. All right, all right. I like it. But, you know, Oklahoma State to me is, is always that team. Like I said, they have the worst competitive rivalry in the world with Oklahoma. <laughs> it is honestly the records are just appalling in that game. But they always like it's like five every five to seven years. They have this team that is just stupid good. And you're just like, what? Where did this come from? And that's usually when they beat Oklahoma. Usually when they finish in the top 10 in the BC, in, well, it was the BCS at the time, the last right, time yeah. they did it. And so here they are again, oh, oh, you know, Oklahoma State's finally like a, a good team again. And they're like, okay, well, here we go. And uh, yeah, to me, I think this one, I think if they win and they win emphatically, and then let's say Al- Alabama loses by 20 and maybe even Cincinnati loses, I think that guarantees them a spot, especially if they, if Cincinnati loses somehow, which by the way, we're not going to be talking about, they play Houston, but they're not a power five team, so we didn't put them in here. I, I, I'm sorry. Like everything we've talked about with the uh, with the, the 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 playoff, just leaving them out because they're not a power five. We're not even going to talk about them because they're not a power five. Um, whoops, but you know it but, is what it is. And anyway, I will retract what I said about it not being a playoff thing because until you mentioned, <laughs> I didn't realize they were number five. I thought I looked at the previous ranking where they were lower. I was looking at the wrong week. That was my fault. So that, yeah. that never mind. There's a little bit something on there for Oklahoma State and them as well too. So it does that that has a little more intrigue to it for me as well. Yeah, you, so you you know you got to include that as well. Plus, I don't know if they're going to move move Notre Dame ahead of them because Notre Dame doesn't have a championship game. Also, won't have a head coach. Well, 
currently doesn't have a head coach. We'll talk more about that later. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So Oklahoma State to me, I think, I think has a chance to win this one. And if they do, we'll see what happens beyond that. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens beyond that for sure. But that'll take us to the big one, one versus four. We've alluded to it, and everybody's been kind of waiting on this one all season long. It's Georgia. It's Bama. Uh, I mean, there it is what it is. I don't know what else we can say about this one. This has been on everybody's mind since I feel like week three of uh, of college football play this week and and this year. And I just we finally got it. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Kirby can actually get over the the hump this year against Nick Saban? It's the best chance that he's probably going to ever get, honestly, as well, too. It feels like if it's going to happen, this would be the year, besides the one year when they went to the national championship game and played Alabama again. Like, those are the two times I feel like that they have a chance, and they already choked away one of them. So I feel like if they're going to have it, this would be the best chance when you look at the teams, when you just compare them across the board. This is Georgia's best chance they've had in recent years to get one up. And honestly, you could get a chance to push Alabama completely out of the playoffs as well, too. That's two birds, one scone. You don't have to deal with them again. I it'd be tough for me to see this Georgia team not capitalizing on it. Uh, yeah, fair. And uh, to be fair to Alabama, I'm going to say nice things about Alabama now. It is, I will not pile on Alabama moment for Kelsey. Uh, that is, this offense looks great for Alabama. I don't think there's any question. Their run game still a little bit, eh, but they can run. They When they're, when they're on their day, they can run over anybody. But man, that passing game is scary. Uh, had it not been for the PFF number one ranked corner in Roger McCreary, that team could have put up 50 on, on Auburn without a doubt. And had he not been literally the number one ranked quarter, corner all season long versus any corner across the nation, he would they would have put up easy points. And I think this Alabama offense is something we haven't seen before. I keep, I've said that all season about him. Like just Bryce Young, what he's able to do is, is freaky. But I think there's still holes to be, 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 be taken advantage of in that defense for, for Alabama. And that's what makes me a little worried about this one, that Alabama might not be in the playoff finally. We might have a season where we don't have an Alabama and an Ohio State in the playoffs. I mean, woe is me, and maybe I might get struck by lightning for saying that, but well, yeah, let's we'll see. see. Let's see. You say that. Is that what your prediction backs up, though? And that it is. It looks like we are both on the Georgia train, so you think Georgia will still find a way to get done, despite all the nice things you just said about the roll tide. Yeah, look, uh, I, I have a couple Georgia shirts that I preferred I'd – which were, you know, not mine. Um, let me say, I just lost a few bets with Georgia Auburn. So now I have, I own a few Georgia shirts. I don't own any Alabama shirts. So uh, when it came down to tiebreakers, that was my tiebreaker. Do I have any Georgia shirts? Yes. Do I have Bama? No. So here we are. <laughs> but, but no, this is uh, the, really the, this Georgia team is, is scary. Whether it's Barrett, whether it's, you know, anybody else, it's, I mean, honestly, their offense just runs. They just run the ball. Talk about our team that can run the ball. This team is scary running the ball. And you know, don't sleep on don't sleep on Stetson Bennett throwing the ball over top of people. Uh, you t- kind of took the words right out of my mouth. And by the way, I do want to say your Georgia collection is you have a better collection of shirts, Georgia shirts, than I have a than I have total outfits on my NBA 2K player. So I mean, you're you're gathering them up there as well too. And it's it's thanks to this guy that I uh, I have them. So um, to, I'll, I'll we, we might have to amend our our bet with uh, Auburn and Georgia, the rate I'm uh, it's going right now. Little <laughs> did I know Kirby smart would turn into Nick Saban 2.0. Absolutely. And I guess I'll just kind of add on to that. You kind of took the words out of my mouth with, I think Stetson Bennett could be an X factor in this game because Georgia can literally run a two quarterback system almost however they want. JT Daniels could come in and sling it pretty well. Stetson Bennett could come in and whatever Stetson Bennett does, the mobility, the, it doesn't always look like it's supposed to, but he always finds a way to move the ball with his legs. He can throw it over the top. As you mentioned, 
They're four deep at running back, four guys that could reasonably be playing at the next level, including Dalvin Cook's younger brother among those, Zamir White. Like, they got a squad. They block really well. The receivers, not quite as name value as we're used to in recent years. Like, there's no Chris Godwin or anything quite like that, but they still got players out there. And on top of that, that defense, with Alabama's offense last year we talked about was arguably one of the top two or three college offenses we've ever seen, with led by Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harrison squad. This defense is on par with that, if not a little bit better, what they've been able to do to people. And what I saw Auburn's defense do, I know Roger McCree was a fantastic job, but that's one corner. And then you factor Georgia can get 80% of that from their corners. Plus, you add in the other 11 guys with Jordan Davis and all those guys. Like, Yeah, you, you add in the fact that Auburn had a pass rush against Bama that nobody's been able to do against Bama. And then you take into the fact that Auburn's pass rush compared to Georgia's pass rush is like, I'm going to throw four-year-olds at you is Auburn's pass rush, whereas I'm going to throw grown-ass men at you. And from Georgia, I mean, starting with Jordan Davis, by the way, uh, shout out to Jordan Davis, who is currently fourth in the Heisman voting race, I believe, um, today. Yeah, like, I looked yesterday, he was actually second. Today, he's dropped down a little bit, but no, he's uh, having, look, I mean, he should be a final four in that. Let's let's not get it carried away. Maybe even a final two. And honestly, depending on a really dramatic offseason NFL draft process, he should be going in the top five to six as well, too. He should be up there pretty well. Just kind of depends because you know how it is in the offseason, the scouting, the projections, and the NFL transition. Things might get a little wonky, but there's no reason he shouldn't be a top lottery pick in the NFL draft either. Here's going to be the one knock on Jordan Davis, and I'm going to tell you straight up right now, and it's because he's a big guy. It doesn't make sense. Every offseason that there's a big guy in the possibly going in the top, top five, they're like, oh, he's too big. And look, have you seen the way he runs, though? Have you seen any of that? Because it, I mean, he could be as big as he wants and run, run that way. Like, pfft. he's very reminiscent of your boy Derek Brown, who came out of Auburn a couple of years ago as well. Too, I think he'd be something like that who goes in the top 10, maybe doesn't go to the top five like you might think, an absolutely dominant college career, but he slips down and someone gets a really, really nice player. Like, the Eagles are projected to pick towards end. That, that's a good fit for him. There's a plenty of there's plenty of good options for him as well, too. But it looks like we were both on Georgia and we both think. This might just push out Alabama as well, too, which is going to open up that fourth playoff spot, assuming everything else holds true. But yeah, and that's so we're going to before we get to the uh, the Big Ten game, I want to go actually ACC because this one, this is unfortunately, this one doesn't really mean a lot for playoff implications, but I think it should realistically. I mean, this one you're looking at number 17 Pitt versus number 18 Wake Forest. Unfortunately, that no matter what they do, they're not getting in. I think it's safe to say Wake Forest kind of. Uh, laid the egg on this one in in the last couple games, just just not doing enough. They had but, their shot, but uh, yeah, that kind of windled away. The the Wake Forest went sleep forest. Exactly, but this one does feature a Heisman Trophy candidate, and that is Kenny Pickett. And then there's Sam Hartman, who is he's in the Heisman Trophy voting, but it's like it's more like, Next. well, you're here <laughs> because your team is a possible ACC champion. Like, but let's be honest, I love I love what Sam Hartman's been doing this season. He's a former QB one guy, uh, QB one Beyond the Lights guy. And kind of transitioned his career pretty well to Wake Forest. Uh, kind of an undersized guy that's... to do it too. Besides Justin Fields, arguably him and I guess Jake Fromm, he had a lot of success. But those are the two that really stuck out. He might be closer in that category than like a Spencer Rattler per se. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I mean, look, I think this one's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a quarterback duel down the road. This one goes on Saturday night, eight p.m. And I think they're going to literally blow the lights out from from going back and forth. With it. Especially if they're playing in a stadium where they have that light show. That might that light show might have to stop at halftime because they're going to be running the bill up too high. Absolutely, too. It's going to be it's going to be prime time, and they're going to play prime time as well, too. And as we take a look as the picks are in, and I think we're going in the same direction. We're both leaning towards Pittsburgh. I love San Hartman as well. I think he's on your early, really way too early next season Heisman watch as well, too. <laughs> I think we had to start projecting ahead. He's going to be in that conversation. 
Kenny Pickett, I don't think, is winning the Heisman this year. But spoiler alert for the draft board that we're working on, too. Uh, he's currently one of my top two quarterbacks as well, too. I think he's going to, I think he's a sensational player the way he's transformed his game. And I think this is going to be his signing off, if you will, too. This will be his Mamba out as well, too, from college. He's going to go out there, and I think he's going to put on a show. I think he could easily go for four touchdowns and maybe 300 yards. So I look for Kenny Pickett to go out there, and I will do all Hartman, and Hartman will have his time guaranteed, but it's hard for me to pick against Pittsburgh in this game, especially when I know Kenny Pickett's going to come out there on his A game. They obviously have had the flu issue going on through Pittsburgh right now. All of them have been battling the flu, but it looks like this said Pickett has recovered, and he's set to go. So with him, if he's out under center, I give them a chance versus anybody outside that top 10. Like anybody within reasonable team team to team comparison-wise, he could be the X factor. He feels like the most X factor quarterback that we're talking about in most of these games other than Bryce Young I feel like and I'd say maybe Bohannon out of uh, out of Baylor uh he just feels like Kenny Pickett just feels like he is that dude if he could if he's on his game Pitt seems like unstoppable offensively now defensively is a whole nother story mm -hmm. which is a good thing they're playing Wake Forest in, in in the ACC because they don't have to deal with a whole lot of defense elsewhere this is like the Pac-12 of old like it's all offense no defense all gas no breaks absolutely um, and I think if you put Kenny Pickett on any of those other teams, that they transforms a lot of other teams as well, too. Like, he feels like almost the type of, like, the quarterback in college that can go win you the game. Even as long as everything is somewhat there, he can find a way to make up for everything as well, too. He will be greater than the sum of his parts. We talked about Justin Fields. Kind of did that a little bit. Justin Herbert did it a lot at Oregon because that was not a lot of great pieces around him. Nope. Guys like that as well, too. Guys that, weirdly enough, transition really well to the next level. Guys that pick up the slack around them against tough competition. Kenny Pickett has that ability and more. And the fact that he came in as a running quarterback, and now he's a dart-throwing machine after that leg injury early in his career. Now he can sling it all over the field. That's the ability to adapt like that as well, too. He's got a lot of Matt Ryan, Derek Carr-esque qualities in him. So I look for him to be. A, I look for him to put on a show in this game. Yeah, look, I'm not a big fan of teams giving Cs out for their, their players. Like, you know, they all captain C unless it's mm -hmm. hockey. Uh, but you know what? There are a few players in, in between there that I do agree with. Sam Hartman, yes. Kenny Pickett, 100% agree that both of those deserve their Cs on their jerseys. So I like to see that for those two guys. But there's not a lot of other guys that I'm okay with that. But those two exemplify what I want from a captain. And Katie Pick, you mentioned the leg injury coming back after that, do everything he's done. So this will be a fun one to watch. And I just want to talk about this one before we get into the Big Ten that actually has implications. But this one was just going to be a fun one to watch for the, the Power Five for sure. So in between boring drives in the Big Ten game, we could watch that game. <laughs> but the Big Ten game, the other 8 p.m. game on Saturday, you got Michigan number two. Versus number 15, Iowa. And I think this one might be offense, offensively deficient. Uh, I think, I think whereas we just talked the ACC high-powered offense, this one might just be the complete opposite. I'm going to say one team's going to be very offensively deficient. I think one team's going to be pass deficient, but they're not going to be run deficient. And I think this is going to lead it to it not being a very fun-to-watch game. I think it's going to be very ugly in that it's not going to be that close as well. Because I... Just going to go ahead and give my prediction away right now. I think Michigan's going to walk away with this one because I think what we saw against Ohio State, I think they're going to carry that energy. They're not going to have the letdown afterward. They're going to bring Hayden Haskins. They're going to bring – we didn't see a whole lot of column at all in, in that last game as well, too. I think he's going to go off as well, too. I think Michigan's going to walk away with this in a 28-10 to 10 type of game. Iowa just can't score. Michigan's limited offensively, but they still somehow find ways in the end zone. Like, even against, like, Michigan State and the other teams, like, even when they struggled – they found their way across the goal line, and then they blew out the teams they were supposed to. Iowa, they're kind of a mess. They overachieved early and then sputtered late. So but I look for Michigan. They easily know what's on the line here, and they take full advantage of this. Yeah, I completely see this game going one of two ways. It's either going to be a, like a 21-7 to 7 Michigan win, or it's going to be like a 47-3 to 3 
Michigan blowout. Like, that's the two ways I see this going. And I still think both ways it's going to be more defensive scoring than it's going to be offensive scoring. Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute, absolute monster coming off the edge. Odabu as well off the opposite side. I mean, those two are just goodbye. Good luck. Good luck to your quarterback at that point in time. Just put him in a, get the ice bath ready. Get all the the you know wrappings you need. Maybe add a couple extra sh- uh, shoulder pads in there because he's going to need it. I mean, like I'm sorry, this is this Iowa offense was not prepared for what they're about to face on these bookends, and it's it's not going to be fun, honestly, at all. And and the run game for Michigan is just going to drain you dry. Absolutely, as well too. And there's been some some scouting boards that are actually starting to move Aiden Hutchinson up to that number one overall prospect as well too. I mean, breaking the we- record for Michigan in sacks, and he's earned it more. He's earned it ten times over. Him and Kayvon Thibodeau. You can't really go wrong, it feels like. Granted, one of them will probably flame out if history's taught us anything, but right now it looks good. He's top ten in, in Heisman voting. Uh he is he's, he's not getting the he's not getting the Jordan Davis commentary, but he is still in there in the voting uh house. So they are they are including him in the voting. We'll see if he gets in the top four, but I, I, I don't get, think he'll get there. I think if he could pull out like another four sack game in this one and absolutely dominate like he did against Ohio State, you might see him crack into that top five. He's definitely not winning, but I think he can make he's making a name for himself as well. So you he deserves a shot because there's no clear front runner right now. There is not an offensive player out there that's like he has to be there. Everyone else, it's like, well, I guess. Yeah, look, I feel like this one is straight up like it's Jordan Davis. Seems like to me to be the front runner. And and that's obviously I'm biased because I literally watched Jordan Davis just dominate people. And it's like it's just in, in a conference that's not easy to play in, that's not easy to dominate people and make them look like small children. He literally makes grown men look like small children. Whereas everybody else that I've seen is like I've seen holes in everybody else's games. Rice Young, there's holes. CJ Stroud, there's holes. I mean, Kenny Pickett, there's holes. Like Kenneth Walker, there's some Kenneth holes Walker, too. there's there's a big Ohio State hole hmm. in, in his in his performance. So it's like uh, offensively, yeah, there's that. Uh, and then I'll, on on Aiden Hutchinson's side, I don't think he has. I mean, he has a big hole as well, and that is. Well, the Michigan State hole. Michigan State shut him down. Didn't let him do. Didn't let him do a whole lot. So, uh, you know, that's there's there's a hole to everybody other than Jordan Davis at this point in time. I think for the Heisman and yeah, well, that's just my only my Jordan Davis spiel, if you will. You know, put them both. Just get them both in there. That's all. That that works two, for me. Just two defensive players in the Heisman Trophy voting. Uh, the first time ever, I think. And you know what? If it is, I will gladly take it as well too. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But that's going to do it for our tip-off as well, too. A little bit longer of a tip-off. We had a few violations on that one as well, too, because we had a lot to talk into. That's going to take us to Kelsey's second favorite t- second favorite segment, the main event brought to you by ColorCast. If you haven't been on ColorCast by now, I don't know how you found us, honestly, because that's where we do most of our best work. Live cast, live sports, play-by-play, shooting the you-know-what, fantasy football, basketball, soccer, whatever you need. It's like it's kind of like Twitter spaces, but matching up with a game as well, too. Everyone gets a say. You could chat with your friends. You could talk the game. You could do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's, it's look, if you guys haven't checked out ColorCast, we've said it by now. Do it. Do it already. We, we, you'll, you'll see us. A whole lot of things happening in the next month, which we'll talk about here at the end of the cast. Um, and and we got a whole lot of fun stuff happening on ColorCast in the next two weeks, really. So we cannot wait for that. But, DJ, I'll let you kick this one off. Where are your highs this week? I'm going to coast through these pretty quickly because, well, you know what? They're pretty, they're pretty straightforward. The first one I'm going to talk about, the Phoenix Suns, the defending Western Conference champions. 
Not only are they on a 17-game win streak right now. By the way, count that's an entire NFL regular season straight of winning. They now have the best record in the NBA at eight with 18 wins to, and three losses. They just beat the Warriors, which are the second best team, arguably right now. Now at eight and three, they beat them yesterday as well too. And Devin Booker did leave with that hamstring injury yesterday, which is a little bit concerning. Or I guess on Tuesday, I should say, that's a little bit concerning. But the way they're playing right now, everybody's clicking on all cylinders. CP3 is back in CP3 form. DeAndre Ayton has taken that next step. The Suns are fine. They look like that team that ran rap shot through the final, through the playoffs into the finals, and they carried it over into this season as well. So we talked about that a lot in our NBA predictions. What teams are going to carry that momentum they had and bring it into the next season? The Suns have managed to do that and crank it up to another gear. They managed to turn it into a a hot Southern Mexico summer sun as well, too. Not just like that, just the regular Suns. They cranked it up to another level. So I really love what the Suns are doing. They are my first high as well, too. And honestly, especially that win against Golden State, that just kind of cemented it's not just fluky. They're here to stay. We got we got to talk about this this hot Mexican summer sun. Really, like we. We've been we've both been to Mexico in, in the spring and I had the sunburn scars to prove it. So I, I just think imagine what it's like when it's in the summer. Look, the only thing I brought back from Mexico was a uh, was glass in my in my foot. So uh, I don't remember. I don't remember any sunburns. That's for sure. Well, to each their own as well, too. But as you can imagine, the suns have cranked up to another level as well, too, which is going to bring me to my second high. I'm looking at Max Scherzer right now. The baseball pitcher just getting paid by the Mets as well, too, and not just getting paid a little bit, getting paid a king's summary as well too he is getting paid more than most some teams payrolls he's getting going to get 43 million dollars a year the seattle mariners pay have a 57 million dollar a year payroll the cleveland guardians have a 46 million dollar a year payroll i think it's the pits i think it's pittsburgh has like a 40 million dollar payroll the baltimore or- orioles have a 37 million dollar payroll for their entire teams he's going to get be- being paid more than all of those as well he's been absolutely he's a f- sensational pitcher as well too getting a little bit older as well too i mean 37 years old but a 15 and four season, two and a half year ERA. He was at, he was really, really good last year. And he's still, it's a shorter term deal. It's only three years. So look for him to make good on all of that as well, too. I think that was a good signing by the Mets. And I, I just feel like it's crazy. He's making more than teams. Can you imagine if Tom Brady with, with the Buccaneers was making more than, let's say, like the New York Jets and then Miami Dolphins' entire teams? Like that's just absolutely crazy to think about as well, too. Uh, pay your players, those other teams for sure. And good on Max Scherzer for acquiring quite the bag. Yeah, look, hey, uh, he's well deserving of the bag at this point in time. Has been since his Detroit days, and and just really, I, I feel like he's just. I hate the Giants didn't go out and get him. Honestly, I know he probably is not a guy that would go from the Dodgers to the Giants, but still, I, I hate that they didn't even try at this point in time. Like it was just like they're like they saw the bag and they're like, nah, we out. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, that's too big we, for our we got that San Francisco money, but it's expensive to live here, so we got to keep some of that bag. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Max. Yeah, so that's uh, you know, look, congratulations to Scherzer because he he is well deserving, good guy on the field and off as well, hell of a competitor as well. Absolutely, and that's gonna take me to my third and final high. And I'm looking at Brian Flores and the Dolphins as a whole as well. They started off in a hole. They were at, they were looking absolutely miserable. They looked like they were on pace for their first round pick that they traded to the Eagles to be a top five lottery pick and. While it's still looking like it's going to be a top 10 type pick, they're they're starting the rally, winning a few games in a row, too, since he's gotten back on healthy. He's at an 80% completion percentage passing. He has started to look really, really good amidst all those reports of them wanting to get rid of him, not being sold on to him, his time's running out, all those sort of things. We talked about it before, too. If these are true, he needs a fresh start. He needs to go somewhere else as well, too. But it looks like Miami, I don't know if him and Brian had like a separate conversation, like you are a guy, don't worry about it, but... They look like that sort of team that we talked about in the preseason that we thought could be a playoff contending team, an 11 to 12 win team. That could be they, what the Patriots are now, basically. That's what everybody thought the Dolphins could be if two and them were able to click. And 
that offense looks really good. Jalen Waddle looks like one of the best young rookie receivers. He has the most receptions by a rookie not named Odell Beckham in his rookie years like at 77. Like he has been an absolute he's been a really good target for him as well, too. Mike Gasicki, they they just need to figure out that running back in the offensive line and what they showed how to beat. They basically showed the blueprint, how you beat the Ravens. Cover zero and send everybody. The difference is they have Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Javon Holland, the sensational rookie, and other guys that can do that against other people as well, too. They can do that just about anyone. Javon Holland making a case for defensive rookie of the year these last few weeks as well, too. He's come on incredibly strong. We loved him coming out of the draft to a nauseum. I compared him to Eric Berry, honestly, at when we did our comparison. So I love what the Dolphins are doing. It's a little too late. They're not really going to make a playoff push, but they're making a respectable push that could possibly carry off next season. I think they're a little bit too far behind in that AFC mess right now. They're about they're three or so games behind even getting in the hunt right now. So they took they dug too big of a hole and they have no tiebreakers, but they can ruin some other teams' postseason aspirations coming up. I look forward to seeing what they did. Look, I, I thought they would be great this year. I thought they, they would take that step to, to be good, and unfortunately not. But <laughs> you know what? They tried. If Tua can stay healthy with what he's building on right now, I, I like his future in Miami a lot more than I did a month ago, let's just say, when they were, when it was like, why are you even keeping him at this point? But if he can, I, I still think they're going to go go away from Tua at the end of the season, honestly. I, I still think they're going to move move away just because they haven't built anything around him. Like, they haven't built for him. They've just kind of, hey, Tua, Rabbit. this is what we have. Take it. They built it like it was mad. And it's like, well, that guy runs fast. That guy's cool. Let's bring him in as well, too. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I think anyone who wants who's looking at a quarterback – they're going to or has some quarterback issues. Do they want to pay a guy? Do they not trust a guy? How are they looking? They're going to, if they see two, is they'll be like, huh, 80% completion for a month of November, huh? That's not too bad there with a team that clearly has shown they don't like you and no offensive line. We have an offensive line or we can build one. So if the, he's going to have, I think he's going to be a pretty solid trade commodity. A lot more than the guys like Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, and guys we saw traded last offseason. Maybe not quite Matthew Stafford levels, but maybe just a little bit below that, but above those other guys. So there will be a two a market if he does hit it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, we'll, we'll see if he if he's able to go there or not. I, I don't know. I there's two is just a weird option for me. He he's limited. He's not going to blow you away, but he could. Mac Jones is limited too, and look what he's doing. So if you if you put if you put two in that offense, I think he'd do a lot of the same things Mac Jones is doing very similarly. If he could stay healthy, that's his biggest concern, obviously. But he's very accurate. He reads defenses and he gets the ball out quickly. He's very. That's kind of what he does. You can't ask him to Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow it. You can't ask him to tear the game. You can't reasonably ask him to own the game and completely run it by himself or Cam Newton or Patrick Mahomes or anything. But you can ask him, hey, we're going to probably only give up 20 points, go score 24, we'll be good. Yeah, that's true. That and that's fair. why I thought Miami would be good because of the defense, but they forgot everything else. So we'll see. I like what, but either way, I like what the Dolphins and they've done this last month. And that stems partially from two as well, too. And we'll see. Hopefully it all kind of adds up as well, too. I, I'm hopeful for the Dolphins. They've seen it. They've seen enough rough times. Yeah, yeah, it's it's look. Uh, if Commissioner Cooper was in here from TSS Fantasy, he'd be like, "Oh, you guys are saying nice things about Miami? What? Let's not that get happens. used to it now. Like, let's not get let's not get hasty." I mean, the last time they were really really good, it was Ronnie Brown basically playing quarterback slash wildcat running back quarterback, so, inventing like, a whole new style of offense. Was Ronnie Ronnie Brown? Let's just put it that way. Absolutely, as well too. So that's gonna do for my three highs as well too. Kelsey, what's high on your list this week? So I'm sticking with the the big theme of the week, which is getting the bag and coaching carousels because. All of those involved in all the three stories that I'm about to talk about. Uh, first of all, we're going to start with getting the bag, and that's Lincoln Riley. Um, I, the the not confirmed contracts details from USC, $110 million. USC is buying both both two both all two of his homes in Norman for $500,000 over the asking price. So a $1 million 
bonus total, plus whatever the cost of the house are, buying a $6 million home for him in L.A., and he just so happens to have unlimited use of their private jet 24-7 for family and his usage. What? 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 Dear Oklahoma players that are ragging on him right now, tell me you would turn that down. Like, like, geez. You then look, okay. So I, there's, I'll I'll talk about this later on about the, the downsides of all this, but the moment that contract offer came about, I'd been like, fight on, fight on, Hmm. fight, fight on. I, I'd say it as, as soullessly as possible, but you know what? That I would, I'd wear USC colors. I, I grew up hating USC, but I'd I get the Trojan mural across my spine if for that kind of money, shoot. Like, you, you and look, you want me to go pose with Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, which I would do anyways, but hmm. you want me to pretend like we're best friends and I didn't ever hate them in my life? Absolutely, I'll do it. No problem. Reggie Bush could push, could Bush push me into a pile of crabs at that point for that kind of money. Like, whatever is needed, like, I check, check, and check. I'd go to a hot tub party with Matt Liner, that's for sure. I mean, I, I think I think you'd do that anyway. Like, I mean, well, okay, fair. Back in the day, yeah, why not? But look, I, I don't know, man. I uh, that is just insane getting the bag for Lincoln Riley. I blame him no little bits for good for leaving Oklahoma for that kind of money. I'm sorry when they talk about what you want to do with your life, and then somebody's like, "Well, but what if they offer you this much money?" And you're just like, "Well, I don't know if I would be in that position." Well, look, found out find out Lincoln Riley was in that position. We all know what now. We know what we do, like. We've seen what somebody else did, and now we all know what we're going to do because it takes one heck of a loyal person who has no desire for ever earning money in their life or who has all the money in the world, one or the other, to turn that down. Because I'm sorry, $110 million, that changes my family's lives for decades. Absolutely, as well, too. And and with the new NIL deal as well, too, you are in in Los Angeles, like Southern California. You're going to be – and you have a track record, especially with quarterbacks and stuff, where California is actually a hotbed for high school quarterback prospects. Just look at the Heisman Trophy race. He's going to keep all those kids at home, too, as well, too. So it's, it's a fantastic deal for both sides. And, and literally right on cue, by the way, uh, they signed the number two overall prospect, the number one quarterback in, in Malachi I Nelson, know. just mm-hmm. as fast as him signing the, the contract at USC. USC got that commitment from him. It was just that quick. It was like, oh, okay, he's different. I wouldn't be surprised within three to four years if we see USC maybe not in the college football playoff, but right on the cusp in that four or five-ish range as well, too. They're deep. They still got to figure out. They need the high-rate co-coach to be the defensive guys. We know Lincoln Riley does not know defense, but uh, offensively, good luck, everyone. They are going to light the Pac-12 up in the next few years, I think. First year is going to be terrible, but after that, I think they're going to light it up. Absolutely. All right, so that moves me to the next story, which this one is – this one, it took me a while to get my head around, (laughs) and that is Brian Kelly – leaving Notre Dame for LSU. And I'll be the first to admit the first couple days I was like, no, no, this is, this is a dumb idea. I'm still, I still have 49% of my body saying this is a dumb idea. I can't take that away and say that I don't, but I I have to say that this one, after reading the, what Brian Kelly has to say about it and then thinking about it and, you know, putting my thinking cap on, I don't hate this move. Brian Kelly has spent the last 11 years with one hand tied behind his back in recruiting. He has to get a certain GPA level for every single one of his players. They have to sign a contract saying they will not be caught in public during doing anything, drinking, smoking, anything wise. You can't cuss on TV. You can't cuss in a recording that gets on TMZ, anything like that. There would be no Lendell White moment outside of a bar if you're at, if you're at Notre Dame. So you have to recruit all these dudes that are smart, that don't get into trouble, 
And, and I mean, if anybody has been around a football locker room, we all know that cussing is rampant. Maybe I mean, look, they, they, they may not, they may sign a contract that says you can't do it in public, but they do it in the locker room. Like that's just, it is what it is, but he's been doing this for 11 years with one hand tied behind his back and putting out teams that are competitive. I mean, look, you got two teams in the, in the playoff. You had one team in the BCS top five bowls. I mean, yeah, they got smacked, but you had them in the BCS championship game and they got smacked, but you know what? They got smacked by Alabama in the playoffs, but you know what? They got there. And that's the thing. They all earned it. They all got that to that point. Yeah. They got smacked, but imagine what he's able to do with a team full of sec caliber recruits from Louisiana, from Florida, from Georgia, from Mississippi, from Alabama, from Texas, from Oklahoma, and including his pipelines. He's already built in Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Maryland, Kentucky, this dude just this dude just hit the bag. Like hit the home run of places he could go and recruit and just have a ball because he's never going to lose a uh, Louisiana prospect. Done. Like he has all the Louisiana prospects now. They are all his. They just will be. If he called comes and knocking, he's gonna be like, "Oh, you're Brian Kelly. Yeah, here you go. Here's my child. Like <laughs> go have fun." East Texas has all of them locked down. I mean, there's nobody from East Texas that's going to compete with that. I'm sorry, Austin. You're on the other side of the state. You don't get that. You don't get that territory. Now with Lincoln Riley going, he has two to three years to build that pipeline in Oklahoma. You know, in Alabama, he's going to have a fight on his hands, obviously, with Brian Harson, with with the man himself, Nick Saban. Uh, you know, you still have Kirby Smart in Georgia and, and East Alabama as well. Florida, though, is wide open. He can easily go take some prospects with Florida. Like, hey, you see what I did in Notre Dame? Yeah, come on home. Let's let's see what you guys can do. So look, this is this man just just made a wonderful decision for his recruiting career. We'll see what he's able to do. But again, you talk about USC being a playoff contender soon. I think LSU is a playoff contender soon, and they they they're not a slouch right now. They did they are only a couple pieces away. So he gets a couple transfer portal people. I wouldn't be surprised to see LSU next year competing for an SEC West championship. Absolutely, as well too. And I'm just I'm kind of curious as well too how he's how his recruiting is going to go as well too because a lot of players are going to see it as well too. Like you left when you were right there for a potential playoff spot, but then at the same time it's like yeah, but look how close I got Notre Dame. Imagine what I'm going to do here now as well too. So I went. I'm curious. I still have a. I'm at about a 51. percent I still think is a bad idea, but you know what? The money he got and like you mentioned, everything you mentioned, I think we'll see as well too. I think. Brian Kelly has a little bit shorter of a leash, if that makes sense, than like what Lincoln Riley does. Since Lincoln Riley's starting from absolutely nothing, LSU in the SEC, you don't really get you don't you don't get really a short leash, especially when you're Brian Kelly coming from Notre Dame, a perennial top ten team as well. They're going to expect you to be right there, especially when that LSU team had a national championship three years ago, two years. Yeah, ago. but here's the thing with LSU: LSU gives coaches usually three to five years, whereas a lot of other teams will only give two at max, two to three. LSU is a very lenient team. As long as you don't lose LSU prospects, and I swear to God, you don't lose to Mississippi schools. If you don't do those two things, you will be fine. And especially if you can beat Florida and you can even keep it competitive with Bama and Auburn. Like if you, as, as long as you don't lose to Auburn and Death Valley, and as long as you keep it competitive with with Alabama, you they feel pretty good about you keeping around and don't do anything stupid like Orgeron. Pretty and much, yeah, pretty good. Well, and, and, we'll and these, talk about those coming up later, too. I have more reservations we can get to later. Yeah. But what, what would you say is your third and final high as well? Before I do that, there's just one other part, part oh, that I have to say more. about Brad Kelly, and that's this. The fact he wanted to go to the SEC, unlike Lincoln Riley, I get that's what puts me from the 51% hating it to the 49% hating it now and 51% liking it. He wants that competition, so I like that. I, but I'm, I'm going to say he's running away from Cincinnati. That's how we'll word it as well, too. He's running away from Cincinnati. That's why he's going to the SEC. That's fair. 
But his replacement is to be named Marcus Freeman from all reports right now, which I think is a fantastic hire. The defensive coordinator, now he's being promoted to head coach at Notre Dame. I mean, look, he has just been – this guy has deserved a job probably for the last four years, and he has been sitting there with Brian Kelly just like, look, man, I'll keep doing what I can to get you guys in the playoffs. But we, we are still recruiting with one hand tied behind our back. Now he gets to be the lead recruiter and head coach of this team and decide the, the path for it as he's already the defensive coordinator. I, I love the look of this one. I mean, now you get to go and do your thing. And you can actually get a real offense in there now. You don't have to have Brian Kelly's slow-moving offense in Notre Dame. So you could get a USC-style, Pac-12-style offense with their close to as close to SEC-caliber defense as a non-SEC team can put out. And – it's going to be a whole lot of fun for for this one, and I think I think this is a this is a hire that's going to probably keep Notre Dame in the in the hunt, if not put them even a little bit closer to being a realistically scary chance. Absolutely, and he's done a good job with some recent NFL prospects as well. To look at Jeremiah Wusu Koromo last year, Kyle Hamilton's probably going top ten as a safety this year too. Like he knows how to groom defensive players as well too. And now he's going to have a full he's going to have full saying as well too. I think those defenses are going to be really really nasty with him leading the way in the next few years as well too. Even if they Still offensively sputter. They could be terrifying just with their defense alone. Kind of like what Georgia's doing in the SEC right now, just maybe make it an ACC or an independent type of thing. Yeah, and plus he plays an ACC schedule. So, you know what? You uh, you have a lot of leeway, and as long as you play a little bit of defense, you'll be successful. And as you mentioned, Notre Dame defensive player-wise, I think they've put a defensive player into the draft almost every year for the last decade. It definitely feels like as well, too. And there's some notable ones in there, like those two, plus Harrison Smith, you can't miss as well, too. There's obviously the Manti Taylor. Like, there's a lot of guys you can go around and say they've had some quality defensive players during his time there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's my three highs. Um, but as you can tell, they're all coaching-related, and there's a lot of steam on some of those. So there's going to be some some negatives to some of these as well, you can imagine. But, DJ, go ahead and kick us off with your lows. For the three lows, I'm going to coast through these as we're running lower on time, too. I'm start, Starting with part one, I'm looking at the Chargers. How much more inconsistent can you be? You come off a fantastic win against the Steelers. Then you poop the bed against the Broncos. Every time they do something good, they seem to flounder. They are the ultimate up and down team. Feels like I still believe in them as an NFL potential playoff team like this year's. I They were my preseason pick to be the surprise team. I still think they could do that. The problem is I think they just, they almost peaked then showed their best hand too early in the season. We saw against the Chiefs, against the Browns, them absolutely lighted up. They, they got too good too quick out of the gate. Then they kind of floundered off with the growing pains as well too. And the fun thing is they're playing a Bengals team this week, which is in a similar boat as well, too. A game that we'll actually both get to be seeing in person as well. So that'll be a fun one. Two teams that are almost one year too early. They were good a little bit too early. I think that's going to be quite the game. I think that's going to be quite the game. But the Chargers, I'm looking at you. I'm like, why can't you? You guys have way too many good pieces to be this up and down. You got to find a way to win two in a row. You can't just randomly lose to these teams you should destroy, then beat these teams that you shouldn't. Like, they're so, their inconsistency is driving people up a wall and including me as well, too. Like, they got to find a way to string it all together because they are capable of it. We have seen in splashes they could be a dominant a, a playoff contending team comfortably, but right now they're almost, they're like a seventh seed if I'm not mistaken or the sixth seed. Like they're they're fighting for it right now, so they got to find a way to keep, the, keep quit falling off the rails a little bit. They it seems like they're they're lightning in a bottle and then they're just a little bit of a thunder, a little bit of a shock crackle off to the side. They got to find a way to stay lightning at all times. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, I mean I feel like that's an understatement though. Absolutely as well. And then looking at the other one, I'm going to keep this one quick. I'm low on Kirk Cousins right now. He's having a fantastic season, 18 touchdowns, three picks. He was almost in the MVP category. Then against the 49ers, you're in a close game. Really, You just came off a shootout there in Rodgers. Now's your time. In the cl- in the b- most clutch moment, you line up under the guard. You put your hands under the guards, but you miss the center completely. 
Like Kirk, the, for everything that's talked about you, Kelsey can attest how much Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. That is basically an adjective at this point. You you can't line up under the guards, but like you got to be more on top of than that, especially in a clutch situation when the knock on him his whole career has basically been in clutch time when it when hands get sweat when the palms get sweaty when the knees get weak and the arms are heavy. Can you show up and be ready to go and you line up under the guard like that? That's just something that can't happen. He's still having a great season. The Vikings are right there trying to get into the wild card spot. And this game, uh, with the way the 49ers are rallying, they might want to be that. I could see this one being one that costs them down the stretch as well, too. So, uh, look, I, I hate Kirk Cousins much the next <laughs> man, but uh, you you line up under the guard, and I'm instantly just like the the first thing that flashes in my mind is the old uh, was it the replacements where he sticks his hand under the wrong guy and the guy literally turns around like ready to punch them. Hmm. That would be me. They, like if you had stuck your hand under me and I wasn't ready for it. I'm sorry. It's not. No, I'm. I'm. That's not happening. And then with Dalvin Cook being hurt too, uh, not Kirk Cousins definitely can't have too many more of those moments moving forward because it's about to fall on him as well too. And then the last one, I'm gonna look at. I'm not really low on Draymond Green that much, but I'm kind of low on the statement he said where he says defenses are. It's basically saying defenses don't go viral because people don't know what they're looking at. And on the one hand, it's partially true. I mean, a lot of people don't fully understand the nuances of defense, like when you like when you quote unquote set the edge you funnel them when you're showing and then flashing back like the little things there's a reason brett kiesel right now is not in the pro football hall of fame because his job was to eat up blockers so joey porter and case hampton and those Steelers and troy palomalu can run rampant all over the place like that those kind of things people don't always understand but it, the people know defense when they say there's a reason there is more slang terms for defense than any other thing getting clamped up getting put in a cage being put in a snuggie being clapped up like there's so many different ways you could describe defense so I, have not people, heard, I have not heard the Snuggy one yet. That is a new one for me. Well, there you go. And we could probably keep going on. We can make an entire show going over different ways to do it. So people do know defense. When they see somebody get clapped up and locked down, they will be posted on Twitter by, look at look at this defense by Drew Holiday. Devin Booker can't shake him. Drew Holiday, what he did to Damian Lillard, he was viral for a week for it. Like that, People do recognize defense. They don't see those little nuances. And by saying that, people, it almost seems like it's down-talking everybody. I know what the point he's trying to get is, but I don't really like the way he worded it because People know defense, like they can see defense. They don't understand the tiny little things as much because they're they're small things that help out the greater cause. But pe- people know defense, like there there's a reason people don't want to make Steph Curry the top best player in the NBA because defensively, yeah, there's a reason people harp on LeBron James because well, defensively he just kind of watches and at best you'll get a free safety look for him. Like there, I think people understand defense. They may not see the little tiny things that he, that the, those see, like setting the edge, quote unquote fighting through the pick and then flash on the pick and rolling back, those sort of things. The much smaller things, but I think you should reel it back saying that because defense doesn't go viral, people don't know what they're looking at. Defense does sometimes go viral as well too, but they're not. you're not going to go viral for flashing the lane. You're going to go viral for stuffing somebody's you-know-what all the way into the third row or for staying in front of them, clapping your hands and pointing to the ground saying, get by me. We saw, yeah. We've seen Dwayne Wade and Kobe. They would do it. They'd tap the floor, get in their defensive stance, and those would go viral as well too. So I think viral defense is actually a thing. So I'm going to – I'm low in that I disagree with him in that point. Look, uh, there's always going to be viral defense because uh, I raise you the block. Like, uh, that is viral defense. defense. That was LeBron James. LeBron James poops and it's viral. But, like, the same thing. Like, defensively can't go viral. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. But uh, Kawhi right. Leonard is the claw with his own brand because of his defense. He's not the claw for his jump shot. No, that is true. Fair enough. All right. Well, but yes, I get, yeah, I get your point. So, Kelsey, what are your lows as well, too? All right. So, so my lows, I'm going to stick with the, the two of the three guys I just talked about. Lincoln Riley, first of all, don't like the move. I don't like leaving two days after you just played a game, after telling all you guys you're going to be there for him until the end of the season. And then you're literally gone two days and taking pictures in USC logos saying, fight on. Again, 
get the contract. I don't like the move. Kind of a lame move. And then all the stuff coming out that it's because of the move of the SEC. Hate that. That is just as pansy of a move as possible if I'm keeping this PC. Like, that is, yeah. Can't I, do that. I agree with you on the one hand. On the other hand, it's six of one. I, have, I agree with you as well. I don't like the way he went out. The way he went out was kind of weak. And I don't like the players saying, like, well, he was telling us that last week. If you got offered $110 million to go move to Southern California, I would too. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the alternative to it. Like, there's the goods, there's the bads. You got to take with it as well. So, this considering is... players can transfer at any point now, like they, it basically college football has turned into like the NBA, where it's like you can go whenever you want. You're not really locked down. So, I think I agree with it. He left like a, you know what, a pansy for lack of better words. But I think at the same time, I would gladly. Be, I would. I think it's not the lesser of the two as far as leaving, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so that takes me to Brian Kelly on the opposite end, where yeah, I get why he left. I, I get wanting to take a new challenge on. But why? Why would you do it? You're already a free walk-in into the playoff. All you have to do is win your games. And you can't do that right now. How? What are you doing? Like, Win your games first. Prove you can be a perennial playoff contender, which you can be at Notre Dame. You just have to change your old old school offense, and you can do it. You don't, you don't need to go get Jack Cohen when there are guys that can sling the rock and move in the transfer portal. You need to go get guys that can make an impact on your offense. That can pass your GPA requirements because I guarantee you they're out there. Uh, Will Levis, number one, he had to pass Penn State's GPA rules. And he did that just fine. And then he went to Kentucky where you're a, hot, a recruiting hotbed at because of your pipeline at Cincinnati. Like, come on, Brian Kelly. Literally, like, he moved. And I'm just like, why would you leave a place where you have a – if you're giving the legacy stars back from old NCAA 10 and, and 12, 14, where they had, the, like, the, the seven stars was the biggest, you are maxed out maxed out and now you're gonna go to like a four or five lsu why why would you leave that opportunity you're gonna be one of the greatest ever to to do it at notre dame you're not on the hot seat you're not even close to being on the hot seat like why would you leave i uh, whatever actually and i'll just add on to that too there was a weird story that came out recently when he was the head football coach of central michigan university he had some uh, graduate assistants known as matt lafleur and robert sala two very uh, well-known head coaches in the nfl world and they were basically they were invited to a party like a holiday party it sounds like but they weren't on the guest list. They were invited and as a workers, they were told to basically shovel snow and park the cars. And at the end of the night, go and get the, they were asked, they were basically told to be valet services as graduate assistants, which what, like there's obviously a lot of things about Brian Kelly, not being the most fun guy, the nicest guy to hang around, with, but that's just absolutely ridiculous. Like that there's a line somewhere. And I feel like you can't treat people like that as well. So even Robert Sala said, if we're ever in that position, we will not treat people like that. Like that's just absolutely embarrassing. If he's not careful in LSU, like you talked about the Notre Dame, like GPA requirements is too. Those guys on LSU without the GPA requirements, some of those guys are not going to stand for that as well, too. If you treat them like that, you're going to get clapped back at. Oh, yeah, 100%. Look, LSU, Notre Dame, it's a business. LSU is a family, and that's the way I'm going to put it and and be nice about it because at Notre Dame, it is purely a business contract that you're there for football. Absolutely. LSU, it is you're there to, to grow yourself as and, and, and get yourself a family. And to quote the very unnecessary Bauer meme, you don't. Who needs that when you got family? But if you mess with the family, like there, you can insert the Fast and the Furious get memes here all over you want to. So, hopefully, nothing like that resurfaces. I wish them all the best because it'd be great to see LSU get be good again as well too. And I'm happy for what happens in Notre Dame now. But uh, yeah, just why? Just why? Yeah. And then that takes me to the third one. That is the hiring of Florida. It is not the guy who I'm down on. It is the fact it's Florida that he went to, and that's Billy Napier. I love Billy Napier as a coach from Louisiana. Uh, the Raging Cajuns, what he's been able to do to that program has been absolutely fantastic. However, now you go to Florida where they're only going to give you two years at the most to try to turn it around, and that's not enough time to turn around this Florida franchise. 
Like Florida has, you need three to five years guaranteed. And I'm sorry, but Florida doesn't have that time to give you three to five years to turn this team around. So Billy Napier is going to lay out the the path for them to come out. He's going to end up getting fired, which is unfortunate because he's a fantastic coach. He deserves all the time there at Florida, but he's not going to get the opportunity. The, the board of trustees at Florida is notoriously quick on triggers on firing guys. And he's the 29th head coach to, to take that sideline 29th. And, and that's just not going to be good enough. I mean, uh, yeah, that's unfortunately, he's just not going to have enough time to do anything there. And, and that's where the, that's what I'm down on. And I, I wish Billy Napier had gone anywhere else other than Florida. I hope I hope we can flip it around as well too. But like you mentioned, they've kind of turned themselves into the twenty the two thousands and early and twenty tens Browns, unfortunately, as well too with the coaching carousel. So hopefully that's not the case, and he's able to flip it around. But good luck. That's all I got. It's good luck. <laughs> exactly. But that'll do us for for the main event for our highs and lows. As you can tell, it's kind of been been on the bag. Basically, mm-hmm. basically is where we're basing it on. But that'll take us to crunch time. Presented by Swift Lifestyles. If you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles? Go do so. It is the drink that helps you get ready for all your workouts get ready for the day does it without the jitters it's healthy it's a great alternative as well um so go do so go check that out link is in our bio for that but dj what you got on your mind today for crunch time i'm gonna be relatively quick with this crunch time too i'm just i'm looking at how often do you see a team that has a franchise quarterback two elite receivers a top five safety and a hall of fame linebacker but they need but they kind of need to blow it up and restart everything i feel like that's I feel like I just listed everything you need to be a winning team, more or less, minus like a left tackle, basically. Normally, if you have those things, you are a, a playoff level team, at least. Maybe not a division winner, but a wild card, something like that. Some that sort of thing, like fair to say. Yeah. But that's not the case in the Pacific Northwest. Looking at the Seattle Seahawks, they are a travesty right now. You could they can't seem to fit throw. We talked about two great receivers. You throw to one of them per game. Like one of them does not get they never both eat in the same game, it feels like yeah. outside of September. Maybe in September they do for some reason. Russell Wilson, he is diverted basically from a top five quarterback to a professional driver in golf where he just kind of throws bombs away and hopefully some of them stick and still has like the escapability factor, still has all of those, but no ability to like consistently keep an offense moving. They, when was the last time they scored 20 plus points? I think it was with Geno Smith against the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, or against Jacksonville actually, but like that's my to the point exactly. They have no running game to speak of right now. Jamal Adams is a fantastic player. He just needs to use both hands a little bit more often and not his face when catching the ball. Bobby Wagner is still fantastic, but they have no pass rush. They have no draft picks. They have no offensive line. I don't know what they need. It feels like it's time to blow it up if you're Seattle and try and start over, which means Pete Carroll's probably going to leave because that's kind of the MO as well too. But I just don't know what to do with Seattle as well. I feel like it's time to rebuild. You might have to trade a lot of those pieces, send Russ away, try and get some of those draft picks back because uh, that Jamal Adams trade set you back with draft picks a little bit. Maybe trade Tyler Lockett, I guess, since he's the older of the two receivers, see if you can get more draft picks. So, yeah, I feel like it's almost time to just kind of blow it up and see what you can restart and rebuild again. Because what's going on right now is not working. It's been a slow and steady decline the last few years. I know they've been in the playoffs, that sort of thing. They never had a losing season. But uh, you can see how things have started to t- taking a downturn when in 2013 we thought this was going to be a 10-year d- dynasty with the Legion of Boom. And it's just kind of gone boom, boom, boom every single year, but downwards. And right now I think it's – I don't know what you do otherwise because you can't keep doing what you're doing right now next year. And yeah, I just think it's time. I think it's time to blow it up in Seattle. Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all. Um, but look, we've talked about Seattle ad nauseum, and and I don't think it gets any better. And I talked about what I want to do with Russ in the offseason, and that's move him as well. So I don't blame you at all thinking that because I think that's the way to go. But we're gonna move on for that. We got the other side of crunch time, and that's honestly what we're gonna talk about is the events we got coming up. We are gonna be at the Cincinnati and LA Chargers game 
this weekend. And DJ, uh, go ahead and lift up your, your jacket real there. Lightning you guys need any merch? Twice. Yeah, look, you, you guys need any team merch going on, team theme merch, head on over to our bonfire.com slash sports page and go check out your NFL team-themed merchandise because we will also be doing a very special event on December 12th. That is the Belly Up Sports Tailgate presented by ColorCast. We'll have appearances from your belly up, some of your favorite belly up personalities. we got Gridiron Gallery and Zach and, uh, joining us there. And then TSS Fantasy will be joining us as well through the app, and we'll be giving away a signed Joe Thomas jersey. But most importantly, we'll have beer provided by the brand-new BrewDog Brewing Company. I say brand-new, but it's not been brand-new. It's brand new to the Cleveland area as of the 3rd this weekend, uh, December 3rd. They're opening up in Cleveland. And they'll be providing us beer while we're there. So absolutely fantastic event. Come on down. Check us out. Get get signed up for that signed uh, that Joe Thomas jersey. And grab yourself a few brew dogs while you're there and and, and sit down and enjoy the chat. We'll be on ColorCast all, all morning uh, from about 9 to 1. What's really going to be 9 to 12.30 as we get ready for that march to the stadium. Uh, the jersey giveaway will be at 12.30, though. But we'll release more in-depth details as we get closer uh, on December 12th. Should be a fun time as well, too. So if you're around, go and stop by and, you know, cheers a beer, maybe drop in and drop some takes in the color cast, too. And if not, feel free to enter that jersey because Joe Thomas, his uh, cameos ain't cheap, so might as well get that signed jersey. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So so you can either sign up there at the event or we'll have a way to sign up on through Twitter and through Instagram as well. Um, But that'll be in Cleveland on December 12th, guys. Cannot wait for that. But as always, until next time, guys, we will see you later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.